Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about the criminally overlooked new movie, Just Mercy, those head-scratching Academy Award nominations, and our most anticipated pop culture of 2020. As always, this is a plea to rate and review us. Uh, do it on iTunes or wherever you're able. I'm sure there are other places. We don't know. You're smart people. Figure it out. Send us praise. Um, so what did you do? In pop- yeah. What did you do in pop culture this week? Um, Vanderpump Rules is back. Vanderpump Rules is back. Is that about a bunch of bikers who need a pump for their bicycle no, tires. No, it's her. about Lisa Vanderpump from The Real Housewives of Beverly ah. Hills, and she owns a bunch of restaurants, and in one of them, she has a bunch of people who are really mean to each other and scream and yell at each other and then drink a lot and pull each other's hair sometimes. And anyway, it's like in its seventh or eighth millionth season, and it's back, and I'm excited, and that's sad. Is this just like... Um... Right, they just is she like the most terrible character from Housewives? Is it is no? It like- she's just super. She happens to be a restaurateur. She's married to basically a London mobster who makes his money through laundering money through restaurants. Oh, sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, we uh-huh. just watched Maddow. We did. Um, she's British and very posh, but also like very backstabby because she's married to a mobster. I mean, allegedly. Please don't shoot, uh, sue me, Ken Todd. Um, Anyway, it's all about these people that have way too much money, are way too young, and way too dumb and mean to each other and drink a lot. And yeah. The question is. And I'm very excited. Does she have a lawyer that looks at people the way that Lee Parnas's Parnas's lawyer looks at Rachel Maddow? When you're in the mob, you have a lawyer that looks at people like that. That's the rules. Um, Ma'am, you guys, if you haven't seen this Maddow, watch it. It's crazy. Some crazy, crazy (laughs) nonsense. Um, And then I also watched um, The Outsider on HBO. Not our S.E. Hinton Outsider, but... No, those are The Outsiders. (laughs) There's no S on this one. It is based on a Stephen King book. It stars Jason Bateman. It is also, or the first two episodes that dropped on HBO are directed by Jason Bateman, Juliana Nicholson, Nichols, who I love, Ben Mendelsohn, your accent notwithstanding, I love you, um, Henrietta, I can't remember her last name, she was also on Hannibal, is great, this has a fabulous cast, the guy that plays the lawyer that defends Justin Bateman, I always really like him too, and I can't think of his name, he's like the super paunchy, balding, tired lawyer guy, that's who you go to, um, this isn't a good show, you guys. It it's, looked good. I actually saw the preview and thought it looked fun. I did too. It's not. It's. I could have told you all of the beats. Now, granted, I read a lot of Stephen King. It was over. It, it's just going for every single trope. Oh, there's a guy in prison who's probably wrongfully accused of raping and killing a kid. So let's have a whole bunch of people menace him and talk about how they're going to kill him because he's a baby killer and have that person be Jason Bateman with a goatee, which is not a good look for Jason I, Bateman. I did not care for that. I saw that. Um, And then the whole town be really mean to 
okay, spoiler alert, going into, you know, Under the Dome, Stephen King, The Stand, Walking Dude. Jason Bateman dies at the end of the first episode. Okay? Um, So, but then the townspeople are still convinced that maybe he did this crime, or maybe it was the outsider who may or may not be an alien. I don't know. I don't care. Then the whole town has to be mean to to his widow, and the, all the kids have to be mean to the other kids, and Ben Mendelsohn has to be questioning his whole career, and his kid died of cancer, and now maybe he has cancer. It's too much. It's it's not good. I, I did like not like it. This is a new trend that may eventually earn a nix from us, is like, cast a high-profile person and kill them at the end of the first episode. Um, it might have been the second episode. I think it's the first episode. It's like, what's your call it, uh... The, on becoming a god in yes, Florida, Alexander it's basically Scarsgar. someone took the first yep. season of Game of Thrones and went, "Let's do it in a, an episode." Yeah, there was um, one other one that did the same thing. Yeah. That, oh, oh, Watchmen. Mayor, may, you know, I yeah. still am not convinced that he's not That's coming true. back. That's true. But three is a trend. Yeah, watch it with that guy's folks. Um, I mean, it. Bateman still directs, and another spoiler alert: The Outsider. Okay, so how did two people do be in the same place at the same play, yeah. time? So I'm sure Jason Bateman will still play this outsider character that's going to come and turn out to have been the real killer. So is there supernatural? Yeah. Stuff? Oh yeah, there's okay. super su- supernatural. It's tied into the whole greater Stephen King universe, the Dark Tower, all of that stuff. Uh, Roland from the gunslinger and the walking dude and all of that. So this is, does have a supernatural bent and I'm sure it's going to come out and you know, they haven't, one of the little kids has nightmares. So anyway, I'm not going to watch anymore. I will watch more Vanderpump rules. What did you do in pop culture? Justin cats. It's just cats. <laughs> oh wow! Thanks Dave for that. Um, brilliant. Uh, speed Keanu cats crossover joke. Um, it, so I know that your son walked out after 10 minutes. I want to set a little context. I saw cats the night that world war three almost started. Um, I was having a panic about the Iran thing and did as you do got drunk and saw cats. Did you have pretzels? Um, I did actually. Excellent. I used some of my, my AMC stubs points. I was able to figure out how to use $5 worth of them. Um, you can only use $5 at a time. Yeah. So you still pay two bucks for your pretzels. I learned, um, which is a little bit crazy. Those pretzels are really expensive, so I owe you lots of... Oh, I know. That's why I buy them with points. <laughs> okay. I will buy you all the pretzels from here on out, because um, I end up eating half of yours. This movie, it is not, to me, I just listened to the Flop House of podcasts about bad movies. They were all high out of their minds and had a great time, and I love that anybody's having a fun time with this movie. I thought it was so boring that it wasn't even tacky enough to sort of like provoke any sort of response in me. I was mostly like, should I leave? No, then I'll have to go out and read news about the world ending. I guess I'd rather just sit here. And Did walk. you walk? Did I walk? Yeah. So like, were you, st- you couldn't leave cause you were drunk. So if you drove, <laughs> oh, but if oh. you walked to the theater, no, I sobered up in time by okay. the end of it. Um, it, it, it's just boring. I just don't know what to say about it. I still don't like the music. There's some nice dancing in it. Uh, there are some very hilarious. The scenes that actually tickle me the most are 
when there's like one cat talking, particularly Judy Dench, all the other cats sort of cluster around her in a scene and just do facial listening acting, but like as a cat. And it's really intense and funny. It's just sort of like cats, the reaction shots, the movie. Um, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. There are things that, because maybe I was a little buzzed, I don't remember if they happened or whether I jumped them later. <laughs> I think somebody hairballed on somebody at some point, but then I was reading online. I was like, who hairballed? And I couldn't find any evidence of any hairballing. So I may have dreamt that or just sort of fever dreamed it in the moment. Um, what else happens? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Keep talking. Uh, Ian McKellen is like crazy old fussy theater cat. And I'm pretty sure that he laps milk up at some point out of a saucer. I'm like, I, I did get that verified. So I know that that actually does happen at some point. Jennifer Hudson has like a motive snot under her nose the whole time that may or may not have been like digitally added to like make it look like she's crying. Um, she sounds great, but she has snot on her face for the entirety of this movie. It is so bizarre. Uh, Judy Dench is wearing a fur coat. Whose fur is it? There have been lots of conversations about this. Um, there's uh, Rebel Wilson unzips fur. There's a lot of like weird like skinning. I think they're skinning a cat jokes, but I, it, they're so inappropriate and weird for this movie. Um yeah. Also, uh, Idris Elba is oh, no, naked Idris. in in like a cat suit outfit and shouts his catchphrases all the time. He goes like "macavity" and he goes uh, "magic," and it's so strange. It is. Um, it's hard to even talk about this movie because everybody's talked about it so much. It's it's I'm making it sound funnier than it is, and there were definitely high people in the theater with me who were giggling at all of this. I thought it was mostly really boring. Um, Rebel Wilson and James Corden need to stop um, playing Uncle Daddy Tom and uh, Tom Elisa. They're so doing minstrel show for fat people. It's gross. Um, it, they should be ashamed of themselves, frankly. Um, it it is so strange. It's strange and yet boring, and the worst thing of all is that goddamn Mr. Mistopheles song. <laughs> um, I don't care about the magic cat, um, and the magic cat better have a little better magic than just uh, wearing a top hat. Um, that is my review of Cats. <laughs> don't go see it. Uh, if you're interested in it, you can probably skip it. If you like drugs... A lot. Go for it. Go see Cats. Um, I also saw Underwater, which... Uh, I probably also saw a little buzz. That was a rough week, guys. I went to the movies by myself, buzzed twice in a week. Um, Kristen Stewart is in this movie. It's been on the shelf uh, in studio shuffles for a while. It got a bunch of reviews from, you know, the nerd fanboys on the internet that said it was actually a good little sci-fi thriller. It is not nerd boy sci-fi internet people. You are wrong. Um, you just are hot for Kristen Thomas. Kristen Thomas. Kristen Stewart. And... Who isn't? Like, great. We all are, but this is not a good movie. I'm not hot. Um, this is just an Aliens Retreat 2004. Um, it is very dated. It has very stock characters. It has T.J. Miller um, pre all of his scandals breaking, and they somehow kept him in the movie. Um, there is 
completely inaudible dialogue because everybody's wearing these giant facial masks and you can't hear anything and you can't even often tell who's speaking because these masks are so cumbersome the creature design is i guess just fine although it's very like murky it's almost like um you know uh what's his name who did uh dunkirk um it's a it's like it's like a nolan version of an underwater monster movie that nobody asked for. Uh, to be clear, it's not that I'm not hot for her. I mean, I'm not, but I, I like her, but I don't yeah. want to have sex with her. No, and there's a lot of just, there's a whole scene at the end, which is very, like, she's in her underwear in a very, like, Ripley way, which is like, oh, you can pretend you're making an homage to Ripley, but you're really just staring at her butt. And also, she is sort of vaguely coded as queer in the movie, and she dies for everybody. I am so tired of that mm. fucking trope. Um, Spoilers. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care about spoiling this movie. Yeah, like, fuck this movie. Um, it was. It was also, ma- don't kill Bill. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we talk about these damn Oscar nominations? Sure. Why not? Can we do it quickly? It'll be very fast. And just an upfront: uh, we are called the Knicks. We do this uh, for a reason uh, to nix things when we have had enough. We've had enough of the goddamn Oscars. I don't think we've actually ever nixed the Oscars no, entirely. I'm so- Maybe we have. Who knows? No, we have not. I know we haven't because I am somewhat loyal. I am so angry. Why don't you talk? I am so tired of established, rich, white filmmaker men just going, oh, look, I put this thing on celluloid, so you should give me an award for it. I'm over it. I'm tired of it. I'm done. I don't want any more Nolans. I don't want any more Coppolas. I don't want any more fucking why can't i even the scorsese's i'm done with you people de palma i've met you you're an asshole you can sue me that's fine i don't care um i played charades with you i don't like you (laughs) um granted he hasn't been nominated for an oscar in a long time but he goes in with that crew it's like they think about making a movie and hollywood like poops them an Oscar and I'm over it. I cannot believe that for two years in a row, Marielle has made two of the best movies of the year and nobody looked at them because I I don't know why they didn't look at why can you ever forgive me? I think Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood wasn't what everybody expected it to be because it wasn't about, oh my God, look at how amazing Mr. Rogers is, except it kind of was about that if you watched it correctly. And Greta Gerwig got completely ignored, revamping in a subtle way a film that is from a text from the 1860s and managed to make it completely modern without beating you over the head with it, managed to say so much about how important art is in our world right now, and we ignored it. And also could have just served as a critique of the actual awards. (laughs) Right? Scarlett Johansson, who didn't close her uh, her mouth through two of the most boring movies of this year, they're throwing Oscars at her. Also someone who once made a Tom Waits cover album. I'm just saying. <laughs> Can we stop giving her things? Okay, I'm done. Antonio Banderas, please save us all. Do you have anything to say, Justin? I don't have too much to add. Uh, just Mercy, which we will talk about shortly. Completely robbed. Oh. Uh, farewell. Completely robbed. Um, just, I, I haven't even seen Lady, a, a portrait of a lady on fire, but I'm really excited to see that. And there was so much buzz and so many good things to, that have been said about it that it's shocking that none of these movies um, 
got considered. I have not seen Joker. I more and more am just like, I don't know that I can sit through it. Yep. I tried The Irishman. I tried The Marriage Story. These are not my movies. This is not my year. The Oscars have been doing a slightly better job How of... Pain and Glory get... I mean, it caught nothing yeah. but Antonio, right? I think so. Maybe it got... I don't even think film. it was... Maybe yeah. foreign film, but I don't yeah. think so. I yeah. just... Mm. Yeah, it's there have been a lot of conversations kind of in the whatever movie sphere about what do these mean and how like do they matter and what do they matter and why should we care about them and the, frankly unfortunately as sadly as you know is the case it is business this is like when good films get rewarded more good films get made when new directors and new voices get rewarded new voices and you know new visions get sort of visibility uh just by rewarding these same people over and over again you are just narrowing the window these are all also super straight films that we're looking at too pain i did check pain and glory not a super straight film not directed by a white person not in the English language, did get nominated for foreign film. I, I will give it that. The foreign film category is excellent, and yep. I will I will back that. But I just... It's so dispiriting. It's so... <laughs> it really just is like, in this year, and I just, you know, it, it does feel like art is, you know, I, I think we talked about on the best of year, you know, best of episode this, you know, a few weeks ago, that people are resisting in small ways and i don't even think some of those movies are always working but it's like they're just discounting all of the resistance of anything and just keeping the status quo on the tracks and it's it's really it's upsetting so oscars be better do better um we're gonna figure out how we're gonna deal with this podcast wise because i am dispirited enough that i don't want to even watch them we'll get back to that yeah (laughs) All right, let's, in the meantime, talk about something that is actually worth uh, a little excitement and praise. Uh, Just Mercy, you want to give us a little plot? Yes. This is based on Brian Stevenson's memoir. Uh, Brian Stevenson founded the Equal Justice Initiative. Uh, Wikipedia will tell us that they work to provide representation to prisoners who may have been wrongly convicted of crimes, poor prisoners without effective representation, and others who may have been denied a fair trial often on death row, by the way. I will add, uh, Wikipedia didn't tell us that, but um, Brian Stevenson has been doing this for over 30 years, and this movie stars Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Rob Morgan, Tim Blake Nelson. Is it that Rafe Spall? I think it's Rafe. Um, yeah. That's what Ralph, I think, too. Rafe, and I don't, uh, I don't know for sure, but you're wonderful. Uh, and Brie Larson. It is directed by uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Yep. pronounced correctly, who Justin tells me directed a short term 12 that I have to watch. What'd you think? I loved this movie. Surprise. Uh, we certainly laid it out in the beginning. Um, it's funny after seeing this movie and experiencing it with a, you know, somewhat full theater of people that were incredibly moved by it. There were many points in the film where people were sobbing. Um, it just is a, really gimlet-eyed. I hate that expression, but like that is what this expression is made for. It is not very sentimental, except in the ways that life can be sentimental. Um, And there are some, I think you had a great point halfway through of, okay, there's this one thing, and I know you'll talk about it in a minute, but it's sort of like, I've read, I went home and read reviews, and a lot of people were like, it's pat, it's predictable, it follows the formula. Hey, 
racism and like injustice unfortunately are very predictable and pat and follow a pattern this movie is just exposing it in a very kind of un uh adorned unfussy way and i so appreciated for that and it's all the things i liked about short term 12 if you guys not seen this movie go check it out it's brie larson's i believe first role or very early role and she's amazing in it um it is so this movie first of all jamie fox is incredible you i just completely forgot what a good actor he is when he gets good material um you kind of wonder what other things he's sort of uh fought to be in and not actually gotten off the ground because hollywood um michael b jordan is amazing as always rob morgan who i hadn't realized had a bit part in uh, last black man in san francisco he plays a, a vietnam vet who's dealing with ptsd and is uh on death row for a crime that it's i don't want to go too much into this movie um but that that performance was also oscar worthy we get a, a look at o'shea jackson again proving that he is not a fluke the yep. kid is excellent yeah he's it's funny he wasn't in that cast list i grabbed no, um tim blake nelson giving a totally like different performance than we've ever seen from him so um, good Brie larson the way that it handles her character as this sort of one white ally in this company. And all of these are based on real people. Um, so good. And the movie is so thoughtful about kind of just keeping her present and visible and part of the story without dumping any white savior stuff on her and making her very sort of thoughtful and, and sort of reserved when she needs to be. Uh, this movie is I feel like required viewing. I hate that phrase, but... I hate that Green Book got all the love that this movie deserved. Yep. You go in. You go in. Um, okay. I knew every beat of this movie that was coming. We are going to start with, I am a pinko commie liberal from Berkeley. I am against the death penalty. Please don't kill for me. I have seen many, many death penalty things. I have read many death penalty things. When you have an older gentleman, a younger gentleman, and, the, and Jamie Foxx, I know who's going, whose execution we're going to have to witness. I know who the movie's about, and I know basically where we're going. Um, and yet, every step of the way, this movie managed to be somewhat unsentimental in each of its beats and reveal them without making me feel like I was being manipulated. The execution scene is rough as hell. It is probably seven to ten minutes long and you can't breathe because you're sobbing through most of it our theater i literally didn't know if i was going to be sick yeah. because i could not catch my breath and yet i feel like it was important that it be that long because if this is what we do to people and we do it when they are either wrongly convicted or convicted because of their race because of their economic standing mental because stat, like yes yeah. because of mental stuff if we do not do this in any equitable way, I don't even care if the death penalty is completely foolproof. I'm still against it. However, if it was completely equitable and it was foolproof, it's still you should still have to sit and watch it if you are in support of it, because this is an, an unflinching look at how this might go down. Um I there's a fabulous scene with Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson talking about um basically his reason for fighting and being where he is and she has a wonderful line where she says and i just love that they 
chose this 30 seconds of her saying, I have no right to talk to you about this. I have no right to even prop you up. I don't know where you're coming from, but I know these people love you. And I know that you have become part of this community. And then she stands back. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love her. And I thought that was a really important moment to um, include. I feel like everybody involved in this movie knew very much what they were doing for that. Um, I just, I, I can't believe it's not getting more representation and more. It's, it's got a great score on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody that sees it is giving it, you know, some is giving it ups. Um, I read one review that talks pretty much about what I was saying. That's like, look, I know these beats are coming. They aren't done with, like, they, they do not reach up your nose and pull your nose hairs out. You are crying because it hurts, yeah, not because I, the movie is manipulating you to do it. And the beats about the facts are not done in a way of like, right. oh my God, plot twist. It's right. more just like, like as we're watching Rachel Maddow tonight, right. of course this shit is right. happening. Like, there is like, one courtroom moment that I, I thought, okay, there's a courtroom turnaround on the prosecution's Part. And I sat in the movie theater and I thought, okay, if, the, if this was, you know, a John Grisham novel, he would say, I withdraw my, I, you know, I withdraw and I join the defense in, in, in their motion. And I kind of hope they don't do that. Or if they did do it, I hope that that's actually what happened simply because it is such a cinematic trope. They do do that. Um, I did go and look it up. He didn't do it in the courtroom. He did join the motion and he does. And, and having the, the prosecutor has given many interviews that says he deeply regrets his part in this. So I'm kind of okay with them making that slight change just to move it along. Yeah. Um, and there's, you get a little bit of dramatic license. It was the one moment where I was like, Oh, I kind of see what's going on behind the curtain. But I really did think this was a great film. And I just feel like, to your Green Book point, um, just this is, like, Brian Stevenson, I want to read this book. Like, yep. let's learn about this hero. Yes. <laughs> and not um, about, you know, whatever Viggo, Viggo Mortensen's, like, made-up um, limo yeah. driver white savior. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I, I really like this movie. Can't I thought it was good things. And it's interesting, the director's not done much um, over the years. He's Hawaiian, um, and he's been sort of... I just kind of stay. I don't know whether he's been trying to make projects, but he hasn't done a ton. Such a talent. Um, yeah. Really check out Short Term 12. I think you'll really like it. I will. Um, all right. Should we get into our 2020 preview? Sure. Let's do it. There's a lot to get through here. So we yep. are going to go back and forth for movies, uh, TV, music, and books. Um, you want to, I guess I'll kick off movies or do you want to kick off, you I kick do off not, movies? I can cook off movies. That's okay. fine. Uh, I'm going to start with February. Uh, Again, let's go with some positive non-white, non-you know—people uh, that have been making movies forever. The photograph: Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Issa Rae, Chelsea Peretti, and Little Ray Howery in a romantic comedy. 
about people of color, that nobody dies and there's not some sort of drug angle. And this just looks like an incredibly charming, sweet movie that I want to see. And I'm very excited about this. It, I turned to you during the preview and was like, this is going to be a huge hit. I think it, it worked so well on the audience. It was that was funny. after we agreed that we'd pay lots of money swoony. to watch them have sex. They're so pretty, both of them. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, Yeah. Uh, March 2nd, Quiet Place 2. I know you're probably not excited. That's fine. I want to see this. That was fun. Big question mark for me. The five-year-old in the theater when I saw the newest Star Wars movie got really excited about Mulan. So now I'm excited about Mulan. There's no dragon named Mushu, so I'm on it. It actually (laughs) looks really good. Um, April, Guillermo del Toro, Jesse Plemons, Antlers looks really fun and weird, and I'm in it. Um, Is he directed or is he just a producer, I think? Who? Del Toro? Toro. He's just a producer, as far as I can tell. Uh, No Time to Die, Phoebe Waller-Bridge writes a James Bond movie. I'm all over it. The preview looks kind of fun. Looks kind of fun. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I will support you till the end of the earth. And And there's a 0076. There's like a new uh, black sort of woman... Uh, rival yep. like we're not going to get that yet for our james but, but they've we'll get close got a good side side ca- um, companion janelle monet uh bloom house uh i think it's bloom house anyway and jordan peele producing this incredibly odd trailer for antebellum which is some sort of time travel mind meld who the hell can tell horror movie but i am all over it i am very interested in that august 20th 2020 if you are not at the theater with me for bill and ted face the music what are you living you for even we need to make it to august 2020 just like nothing else to see that movie august 28 2020 i I will be at the theater i want you all to be with me i'm so excited for this uh william sadler they're releasing all kinds of uh video of um pictures of him in his wonderful death outfit and i am so excited just no george carlin holographs please no that's fine don't do that i think they have some plan for that okay but not the hologram just for dealing with his not being around anymore go on the lodge coming out in february it is a buzzy festival horror movie it involves uh riley keogh did i get her name right Mm -hmm. um in a cabin it is a she's a stepmother of these boys or maybe just the new girlfriend it descends into madness when she's left her alone with these kids it has a very good night mommy vibe which is a movie that i walked out of so this one could go either way (laughs) um i mean i think it looks terrifying either way Uh, another horror thing saint mods uh a24 who keeps killing it with horror stuff uh it is british psychological religious horror my favorite uh one of my favorite genres uh Toronto Film Festival, huge buzz, comes out in March. Uh, Wonder Woman, this is not one I expected on my list. The preview is delightful. This looks like the Wonder Woman I want. It looks like Patty Jenkins is having all the fun with the sequel and sort of allowing herself to be campy with it. It is set in the 80s. Um, It somehow brings back... uh, because he's in the preview. Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah, who I believe... They managed to do that in the TV show, too, though, so... Yeah, it looks really silly and really fun, and Gail Gadot is, I, I think, going to shine in this in a way even more, because it's going to allow her to be funny. Um, and I, th- I thought the best parts of the first movie were when she was funny, but it looks like they're kind of going all in on this. Um, and it also looks well-made and exciting and fun, so... 
I'm excited for that. Uh, that's June. In the Heights, uh, we were just trashing Manuel Miranda, but we need to clarify if we did not on that episode. We like when he's writing. We like when he's writing music. Uh, this trailer has so much energy for those who don't know it was his first big breakout sort of before hamilton uh he plays a small role in it hopefully he won't uh do too much mugging on on screen but uh the preview for this looks terrific comes out in june uh i know we just bagged nolan i like nolan more than you do i think tenant uh the preview is a little underwhelming. I like it in this mode of uh, sort of sci-fi, weird, time-bendy stuff. John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki uh, comes out in July. Martin Donovan, when you absolutely... <laughs> best thing that happened to Martin Donovan is Kevin Spacey's downfall. <laughs> and that, I love Martin Donovan, but... A hundred percent true. <laughs> Although whenever I see him, I'm like, are you McCarthy or Donovan? Um but this movie, yeah, it has something to do with some weird uh, time going backward and forward as a weapon. I don't know what's happening in the preview. Um, it looks a little like, you know, <laughs> okay, I just reversed the photo, the reversed the video on my iPhone. Um, I don't know how they're going to make that exciting or make that track, but we'll see. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Did uh, I talk about this already on the podcast? It is the craziest trailer of the year. I don't even know if it's online yet, but if it is, go watch it. We saw the trailer in the theater. It is Wig again working with um, one of her comedy writing partners who's in it. It looks like a John Waters style like comedy. I don't know what's happening. It looks nuts. Um, I'm in. Uh, Dune, uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, with Shamalay, Oscar Isaac uh, opens December. I am not a big fan of the Dune books. I'm eternally waiting for someone to convince me maybe this is the right uh pedigree for it um finally just a dumbass movie that i'm excited about uh eurovision i love eurovision the crazy over the top cheesy uh european contest battle of the nations for the schlockiest stars uh somebody's made a comedy about it with will ferrell and rachel McAdams. they team up as songwriters they were trying to win the contest it comes out in may that sounds bananas. I am excited to see it. Uh, finally, a train wreck. Uh, we always like to include train wrecks where we see them. The things we think will not do well and, in fact, will crash and burn in fiery destruction and gleeful mayhem. Uh, West Side Story. Do not need it. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Why are you doing this? Um, I like the Isle of Manhattan, too, but uh, we've, I, we've done this. Um, boo. What do you got for TV? Uh, USA in February, Briar Patch, uh, Sam Esmail from Mr. Robot and Homecoming. This is Rosaria Darst Dawson, Alan Cummings, Edie Gathagy, uh, uh, well known of Twilight with the Long Dreads, and Kim Dickens. This appears to be some sort of noiry, uh, I don't know, weirdness from Esmail. I this looks really fun. I am all over this. We'll see what happens. It could crash and burn, but I'm hoping that we're going to be okay. Also, Alan Cumming. We're cousins because his mother's last name is Darling. Anyway, Lock and Key, February 7th. I know I've been talking about this for over a year, you guys. Netflix, uh, Georgie from It, Darby Stanchfield from Scandal, and a whole bunch of people like kind of recognize from other stuff. It's not, doesn't look super gritty or queer as the comics, but I'm still hopeful because it's Netflix, not Hulu. Don't mess this up. Sabrina. Please don't mess us up. You, I like Sabrina more than you do, and we both like Umbrella Academy, which was also coming back, and I'm excited about it at some point. 
don't mess this up. I'm still hopeful. Um, Your Honor, uh, do we have no date on this? This is Showtime sometime in the summer. Brian Cant, Cranston, and Hope Davis. It's a show, sort of gritty procedural set in New Orleans. Brian Cranston is a judge whose son gets in some kind of trouble, and like kind of a hit and run thing. This is Good Fight producers, The Kings, The Good Fight, and The Good Wife and Evil. Evil should be fun and interesting. It's showtime, so you don't really know, but I trust this team. Lovecraft Country is still coming. They promise. They swear. I've been talking about this for 18 months, too. It was in my 2019 preview. Now it's supposed to be 2020. Put it out. Don't screw it up. HBO's also putting out a remake of Perry Mason with Matthew Reese from uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and the Americans. Yeah, That's the thing that's going to (laughs) happen. Um, and Ratchet, Netflix, and Murphy's next thing is Sarah Paulson's origins uh, story of Nurse Ratchet from Ken Kesey's uh, Why I Want to Think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There we go. I was <laughs> on a clear day you could see forever was what I was going to say. I don't know why. <laughs> That's bananas. Um, it will be bananas. I will watch it. Train wreck. I have a train wreck. Amazon, on my birthday, is releasing a Jordan Peele-produced... I can't tell if it's a movie or a show. It's not saying. It's saying all episodes drop. A show with Al Pacino and the kid who played Percy Jackson. It's a period piece, like said, in the 70s. And they fight Nazis, and they have like a whole heist team. This looks bananas and probably terrible. Nice. What do you got, Justin? I got Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Uh, she got robbed for the Oscars, but I have a feeling she's going to kill it on her own show, Comedy Central. It's uh, January Picard. I probably think this won't be good, and I probably will not, um, you know, get my CBS subscription going until I really read that this is amazing. But if we ever needed, if we had a moment in time where we needed John Luke Picard to come. Tell us what to do. We are at that moment. So I think this could potentially at least resonate on that frequency, as they say. Um, I have Devs, Alec Garland, uh, director of Annihilation and Ex Machina, both movies that I really, really liked, is doing a show for Hulu. It is some crazy sci-fi thing that nobody knows that much about, but I am there. It also has Nick Offerman. Yay! Um, Glow is back for its final season, um, but I we we talked about it and I sort of it fell off my best of list. But I really loved that last season of Glow. I know some people didn't. Um, I am super excited to see how they wound this up. Finally, I have. Um, are you ready? Why the last man? <laughs> That's never happening. Barry Kehoe, though, <laughs> is playing that part from Killing of a Sacred Deer and Dunkirk. That wonderful, weirdly blank-faced kid. He's going to be good as Yurik. I'm hopeful. Do we think this will actually come out? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't. There's no date yet, so I'm never, yeah, never believing it. I have another train wreck for TV. WandaVision, the worst named thing on TV in I don't know how many years. Uh, this is Marvel on Disney Plus. It is the two characters nobody cared about together at last: <laughs> Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, it's based on some comic where there's like a 1950s satire thing. I don't think either of these actors, um, I like them. I don't think they care enough about these roles to pull this show off into any kind of uh, greatness. Try and surprise me, Marvel. Do it. Uh, what do you got for books? Books. Okay. 
caveat here. This is a good friend of mine's book. It's coming out in fall 2020. It's called Bone Shard Daughter. By and Her name is Andrea Stewart. She's wonderful. She's talented. I have re- read scenes of this. Uh, we share a table of contents in an anthology together. This is getting all kinds of buzz, you guys. She just sold it. She made a great deal. Uh, it's basically a high fantasy uh set, I believe, in China. Uh, Emperor's rule is uh, failing and whispers of revolution carry from island to island. Uh, people take give shards of their brain, basically their skull, to the emperor to give to the magic. Anyway, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. I'm very excited about this. Uh, that's going to be sometime in fall. March 24th, uh, Emily St. John Ma- Mandel, who is not Edna St. Vincent Millay, <laughs> uh, who wrote the beautiful Stations Eleven, uh, is coming out with a new one called The Glass Hotel. I feel like I've been waiting for this almost as long as I waited for Aaron Morgenstern's follow-up. This is captivating story of crisis and survival. Emily St. John uh, Mandel, I keep wanting to say it the other way, takes <laughs> readers through often hidden landscapes, campgrounds for the near homeless, underground electron, uh, electrica clubs, uh, the business of international shipping, sure, okay, service in luxury hotels, and life in a federal prison. Rife with unexpected beauty, the Glass Hotel is a captivating portrait of greed, guilt, love, and delusion, ghosts, and unintended consequences, and the infinite ways we search for meaning in our lives. I love Stations Eleven. I will read anything this woman writes. I'm very excited. May 19th, not so excited about this one, but we'll still read it. Read it, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. This is the follow-up in the Hunger Games universe takes place on the reaping morning of the 10th Hunger Games, which, if you remember correctly, was the, the morning of the reaping in the first Hunger Games was the 74th Hunger Games, so we are looking at 64 years before the first um, novel. I have a train gra- uh, wreck. Veronica Roth, stop writing books. I don't care if you now think that you're a big grown-up writer. Go away. Stop it. Divergent sucked. Your next one looks terrible. What have you got, Justin? I have uh, the new book from N.K. Jenison, who I am totally digging. Jemison. I always say it wrong. Um, I am currently making my way through uh, her uh, Broken Earth trilogy, and I love it. And she has a new book coming out called The City We Became in March. Uh, it is about... Uh, the New York City apparently has six souls that have something to do with the, the city of New York, and they fight uh, some sort of evil. Um, I just, her writing is so good that I'm 100% into this. Uh, Pyrenees, uh, Susanna Clark comes out in September. She's the author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I don't think she has written anything, right? She took a 15 year so, break. Nope. Um, and she has two new books. Uh, the first is called uh, Pir- Piranesi, and then there's another one, I think. Um, I'm a little confused about it. But um, it is creepy. There are scientists. Uh, there are, I'm sure there's going to be some supernatural stuff in it. Um, I'm very excited. Finally, uh, Survivor Song, Paul Tremblay, who we both like quite a lot, has a full novel coming out, and it is about plagues and it is called appropriately survivor song finally i'm going to give a shout out to a friend of mine who is writing a well it's already written a book for the new uh harlequin imprint that is focusing on lgbtq plus uh it is called karina press is the new imprint and his book is called the hideaway inn and it looks like 
delicious harlequiny fun um i love that he is uh yeah he's going by his uh pen name which i probably shouldn't give away but um it is very very exciting um check it out the author is on that philip william stover (laughs) um so let me wrap up with some music and then we'll close out here and let let you guys start processing this marking your calendar i want to talk about some quick music Pet Shop Boys, 80s pioneering, crazy, fun, dance, queer, pop band, have a new album called Hot Spot. Um, I love them. I Even when they're sort of a little bit of a fizzle, they always make me laugh a little bit and don't take things so seriously, but still just have fun with kind of political barbs and good beats to dance to. Drive-By Truckers, a great um, country rock band that's now been around for God knows how many years and are so consistent, just really political, uh, great songwriting, really kind of raspy, crazy, loud guitars. Uh, their album is called The Unraveling, appropriately. I wonder what that's about. January, uh, Frances Quinlan from a band Hopalong I Love has a solo album coming out in January. Uh, she has a great crazy spiky voice and a really unique sort of uh songwriting voice liz fair who i've talked about endlessly has uh, not only a book another book coming out but an album coming out sometime in spring alanis morissette uh coming back in may for after a couple of years uh such pretty forks in the road is the name of the title heim a band that i like uh young uh three women i guess they're not that young anymore they were when they started um great sort of retro la fleetwood mackie sound they like to genre hop the new songs i've heard off this album uh it's still untitled but they sound really kind of a new step up from them just kind of really digging into different genre experiments um for fanny's terrible band name contest i submit archers of loaf a band around uh in the 90s sort of around the same time as pavement very loud clingy guitars a real kind of nutty wall of sound hilarious weird lyrics uh great singer uh eric bachman is his name uh they haven't made an album in ages i'm very excited to have them back on the scene uh no name is a rapper chicago as a woman who's got a great kind of jazzy sensibility and is just a real i mean i hate the like spoken word poet kind of thing but she does it really well and every album she does is just sort of so dense and fun to listen to and i'm excited for her new work um that's a lot we got a lot to look forward to let's hope that this year delivers because there's a lot of promise in there please don't let the world end before we get to see some of this stuff i would like to see why why the last man and bill and ted (laughs) exactly let's see what happens we're going to talk to us about what they're excited if you're excited about stuff you can find us on facebook uh just search for the next podcast you can send us an email at emotion to nicks at gmail.com you can tweet us at the next podcast and i am at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hartung. Have a good week.